morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on whatever time of day it is for you. Welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Kyle and Alex, and we're chatting about what should you ask a potential technology partner or managed service provider, MSP, getting started with the acronyms right away this morning. We are going to start off today by asking one of our favorite little icebreakers, everybody's favorite socially awkward type of thing to do to get to know our speakers a little bit better. And today's question is, what was your favorite 90s video game? I'll kick it off first by answering my favorite by far was the Nintendo 64 Mario Kart, the one track that I can't remember the name of that had that little hidden entrance on the beach. That was the bomb. We should definitely bring that one back. That was amazing. I'll kick it right on over to Tara to figure out what was your favorite 90s video game? Um, I would say Duck Hunter. Does that classify of that? That was like the main one that I did along with Mario Kart, but I liked it just to hear the ducks quack. That is amazing. I'm going to have to write that one down because I'm like, I vaguely remember, but maybe I was a little too young. Questions. Love it. I might be a little too old, too. <laughs> you just you just like that annoying dog making funny as it. But, yes. You know, that, and then you tried to try to shoot him, but you couldn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, do you want to go on ahead? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of took my thunder. Right. I was going to say Mario Kart for sure. I mean, I think Mario Kart between the N64 version and the, the GameCube version that came outside of it. If you go early 90s, kind of late 80s side, Legend of Zelda um, on the NES is a game I played all the way through at some point side of it when I was young and had nothing else to do. Um, but yeah, def- definitely in the Nintendo catalog for sure. But yeah, those those earlier, those Mario Karts were were a ton of fun. Um, close second, I was going to the Super, uh, the Smash Brothers um, on, the, on the GameCube. That, that was a lot of fun too. Right. Was that still the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Maybe I'm getting into the early 2000s. It's all blur <laughs> at some point. They all kind of run together, but um seems like that stuff's been around forever. But I'm pretty sure the, the Smash Brothers came out on the GameCube first side of it, which would have been, you know, right at the tail end of the 90s. I think GameCube came out in the late late 90s side before that, that hit, if I'm recalling it right. No, GameCube was amazing. Any of those games, 100%. I'm like, yeah, if we can get in the GameCube catalog, I could go on for an entire 30 minutes just talking about GameCube. But we won't. What about you, Alex? Ooh, uh, first one that pops into mind is playing with my sister and playing Super Mario World and taking turns trying to beat it all in like right after Christmas. That's not the date myself, but that was, that was the exciting thing. We didn't leave for days. Uh, that would be it. So hands down. Those are those were that was impressive too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, just Google it. Uh, GameCube was two thousand one, came out. Oh. So I disqualified on the GameCube category. So scratch those. But um, yeah, yeah, those Super Mario ones, even on the uh, the Super NES too. That that Super Mario uh, World three. I'm thinking of the NES, yeah. but then the the SNES had had really good versions of those games too. They were all good. Now, any of the sibling bonding over any Mario games, I have to appreciate we're all like anything Nintendo. We were playing it, using it. Not to say Sega Genesis, shout out to all of those games because that was way too much fun too. But I digress, we could talk about video games all morning long. We're going to get right into the topic of what should you ask a potential technology partner? Just in general, what should you look for? What's the first thing that you guys want to cover? 
Ooh, I guess the first thing that jumps off at my mind is just hours. What are your hours of coverage and everything like that? And it sounds silly of like, why would you go that route? And let me just first introduce myself. My name is Alex Piper. I'm the managed service manager, not sales at all. So when I'm answering these questions, no commission here, no nothing. So I'm going to give you the, from a technician's point of view of where I'm going to come with from answering this. And the first thing I'd want to know is what are your hours? Like everybody's 24 hours, 24 by seven of some, some sense of the word, but like, are you 24 hours by seven with a bot with a live body or is it with like an answering service or overseas coverage? What does that look like? Because you'd be amazed how many times a or a problem goes and breaks at like four or five in the evening on a Friday and like, Oh, don't have anybody on the weekends or don't have anybody after hours. These things never seem to break when we want um, them to go down and you never really want them to go down, but when they do, it's always the worst timing ever. So I think the forefront of my brain would be that one would be right off the bat. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that's important. I think just in a broader sense, um, you know, when you look at it, you tend to, a lot of managed service providers get being all bucketed as, as, as all being equal. And it's just really once you get into it, it, it's one of the points where how they manage coverage around the clock, you know, the amount of support staff they have, how the support staff is set up, do they have service level agreements, the maturity and the overall, you know, approach to providing those, those services um, is, is gonna be different. But on a sales slick or on a proposal, it's going to look all equal and look like you're just pairing, you know, comparing a cost perspective. But there is there is a strong service component level to that that, you know, I think I think a lot of potential customers don't realize until they've already you know signed the agreement and then they get into it and then they they realize that, oh, this is what they meant. They had 24 by 7, but they're on call or oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that you only had so many people and I didn't realize that I really have a service level commit, you know, to how quickly I can get things resolved, you know, and that ultimately I think leads to where a lot of customers have, you know, have challenges when, when trying to engage with managed services to handle their IT side with it. And it, it, it's important, again, that's kind of why we're doing this. I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you get get into it. But, um, you know, as you start pulling it back, not everything is equal. Um, and it's and it's definitely worth doing a, a deeper dive to really understand, you know, how how their overall service is delivered and, and kind of walk through that and know what the support teams are and and, and how they're going to deliver that that ultimate service back to you. That makes perfect sense. And I know you guys touched on SLA just briefly, but could you kind of expand on that a little bit that if I'm somebody coming in and I maybe never heard of it or maybe heard about it, right? For people that come do home service, things like that. In the business world, what does that mean for me, for my business when I'm talking with you about SLA? Yeah, so uh, SLA, service level agreement. Um, we'll start with this, what the acronym stands for. So. Um, and then from there, really, this is going to be and something that's not always provided, believe it or not. You'd be surprised how much it's not provided by some providers of what is their time that they think they can get to your ticket, resolve your issues and everything like that. Um, those are those levels of agreement where they're going to offer you um, what they're going to try and hold themselves to. Now, let's be honest, not everything's always going to be 100 um, percent being able to obtain, you know, 
responding on a critical ticket within an hour or 30 minutes or something like that. Sometimes um, there might be two major crises going on and we just, it might be 35 minutes, you know, it's going to always be within, but it's that level where it gives you the person who's hiring this company, an idea of what you can expect for their level of service. Um, and with that comes with is ask them a question. What are you guys meeting right now for your service level? Are you above a 90? Are you above a 95? Are you above a 97% meet? You'd be amazed. I mean, I think anything below a 96, you should be a little worried. Um, if they don't know that number, I would really be worried because that means they're not tracking. And while this is only one metric to me measure success of an MSP, um, it's also something that's important for you to know that um, how well they're, they're achieving their goals and what they wrote on that paper is not just fluff on a piece of paper. It is actually something that they hold themselves to and try and strive to be up in those upper 90s, that 96, 97, 98. That's the dream right there. You're never going to hit 100%. They tell you they are, they're probably a one-person shop and they're only, you're their only customer and then you have a shot. <laughs> Short of that, um, your upper 90s is going to be what you're going to look for. Yep, I think I think Alex explained that well. Um, and just kind of just one last um, feedback on that on that question side. You know, looking at the potential partner side of it, I think partner is a key word side in that too. Um, you know, because when you when you bring that in, you're 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 taking a core part of your business that doesn't directly, you know, something that as service to your customers sides of it, but it's it supports your services to those customer sides of it. So by going to a managed service provider, you're saying they do that extremely well and they can do it more cost effective and they have the the processes and procedures in place. So um, which which at service level is certainly one of those. You want to make sure your workers are you know helped and back and productive as fast as possible. So that's you know definitely a key reason why you do it. The other side is you want to have some regular cadence side. You want to understand, you know, okay, how do you help me plan my technologies and how do you help them align them with my business objectives and how I'm servicing my customer sides of that? Which which means they, you know, they they can't operate just like a utility to say, okay, we're just going to take care of your help desk and create a ticket for you and call you that reactive side. That's part of the delivery, but you got to have the proactive side. You got to have the we're going to provide you some some guidance and information back to tell you, okay, here are problematic devices. Here's users who are tending to use the the call center more than others. Here's um, here's your aging hardware that if we keep these replaced, we'll you know we'll be able to keep your systems up and running. You have fewer support desk tickets, which means they're working and they're helping your customers. So all those types of things. I mean, you got to have you know strategic planning around around the spend and investment into your technologies to make sure that it's, you know, making a difference for how you ultimately support whoever the, you know, your end customers are. So, um, you know, and there's a lot that are just doing the utility side, as I'll call it, they, you know, they just say, okay, it's just a per user, per device. You take care of got the call center and then they just, you know, they don't really ever do anything other than take care of the day to day, which they may do an okay job at that. But again, it's only a part of the, of the need um, that you see most customers need when you outsource, you really got to have, you know, the proactive is, is a big component side of making adjustments to the way the system's currently operating based upon where you're having the, the most impact and service tickets and service downtime and loss of productivity. 
And if you start making those changes sides of it, you have a positive result with technology because it should, you know, it should work for your business. It should be, you know, productive and it should be a tangible investment and not an expense when operated properly. Yeah, that proactive part is huge, Kyle. I'm glad you talked about it, you know, being that strategic vision and stuff like that, because that single-handedly ties in with the SLA. If you can take and be ahead of the bigger issues or keeping stuff current, it's going to help with those SLAs because you're not going to have those outages where those where you're going to have to, you know, be so hyper-focused on, okay, their critical or emergency ticket for my custom for me being down, they say an hour. Well, hopefully with them being proactive, that's going to help with these SLAs and take those critical ones and drop it down so you get lower in the priorities where, yes, it's an inconvenience not being able to print or do this or that, but um, hopefully with being the, that proactive side will directly tie into your SLAs being easily met because we're, we're they're, they're taking off that high dangerous stuff off the top of the plate and we're taking this to low hanging stuff that left. So kind of to summarize too, what I'm hearing on my end of between SLA and being proactive, it's is that partner using the data for me as a customer to look and say, what are the trends? Am I tracking how fast that my team is getting to your tickets? I know that's something that Tara and I, even on the marketing end, we deal with, right, on use data day in and day out. How do you measure an ROI? Is there somebody that can look at that data and give it to you in a usable way and that you're not just given a dashboard that says, here's everything that's been happening, figure out what that means to you. I mean, do you guys think, have you seen a difference kind of in the market of MSP providers of people that give you overwhelmed data or give you somebody that can kind of translate that data into easy to use day to day? I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it absolutely occurs that way. You see a lot of where I'm amazed at how many um, how many organizations I've spoken with that they get no reporting whatsoever from their existing provider. You know, they they just get services, but they don't even know, you know, how many devices they actually are, are users. Or, they don't know the quantities. They don't even really have a true understanding of all of the services side of it. They just know that they're paying some fee for the service and then that, that's really it. Um, and again, there's been very little discussion side of it um, about, about the planning aspect and, and leveraging all the information that is gathered in the process when you do do support as an MSP, the tools that are deployed do a tremendous amount of inventory and aggregation. And then you have all the ongoing data and statistics sides that's continuously collected on all the performance metrics and everything else. It provides a very powerful you know, indicator of where, where there's bottlenecks and and you're, you know, it's it's a shame not to leverage that, and and use that to the to the customer's benefit. Um, and I, I think the the MSPs that are doing really well side with it do, you know, they definitely provide that information and again help align it with the customer to make sense of it all. Whether you say we need to replace, you know, X percent of your workstations every every you know every year, and they have a five year or three year run cycle, whatever the customer determines they want to be and and recognizing that you want to do that proactively instead of waiting for the device to fail and then doing a scramble and the customer has an unanticipated downtime because of it. Those are those are the the customers that tend to be, I think, um, think of technology in a in a negative way, you know, as a just an expense that they don't want to deal with or 
they begrudgingly do it versus the customers that are using it in a proactive and see that it is, you know, something that can be pretty much predicted on a spend and you can you can have the expense side of it and manage it and keep everybody productive and then ultimately, you know, find ways to make that work better so you can service your customers better. Um, that That's the end game is you want to have it at a positive, you know, return for the customer on that investment to move through it by outsourcing what is just that day-to-day, letting us do what we do really well, allows the customer to focus on customer impacting and organizational impacting use of the technology side of it that you can outsource because that's that's organizationally based. Um, you know, so that's, if, if, you, if you do that, you will find that it, it works incredibly well um, and, and you'll have a very positive return. Yeah, I just think of like the data that you refer to and and the, what the question is, you know, there's two sets of data, you know, there's the data of what have we done? It's all looks great. Here's everything we did. That's great. But what's the data that you're collecting to help me track for the future? That's the most important data that your MSP should be providing you. It's all great to stand behind and pat yourself on the back and stuff and go, hey, we did all this. We patched your servers and everything like that. They're supposed to be doing that. Let's talk about what are you doing? What kind of data are you pulling for me to push me forward? Be that proactive partner, you know, show that knowledgeable and caring. And it kind of goes into, I don't know if you guys can see my background here. I'll move my head here for a second. But, you know, humble break here is, our, you know, our customer service, our, our engineers wrote this, you know, caring, knowledgeable, trustworthy staff, providing effective support and solutions. Um, for every customer. I mean, that's something that, you know, our MSP, our managed service team, you know, our guys and gals sat down for three hours and worked on writing this statement, something that they believe and want to provide every day. This stuff, the data, the people behind the engine, this is what you want to get to know. I mean, anybody can sell you on hopes and dreams, but you want to know the back-end team of you know your SLAs, your hours, your holiday coverage. Those are the important things that you're going to want to understand when you're when you're picking this partner. Um, is that back end side of the house? That's all <clears throat> fabulous and makes total total sense as we're going through right the data, but then the people to back up the data and do those people care enough to dig into the data to give you what you need. 100% kind of going back to our set of questions that we wanted to make sure that we covered here today. Depending on your tech skills, what tools do you use was one of the questions that we had to pose. Why don't you guys talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, for somebody who's not very tech savvy, tools aren't going to really mean that much to you of like, oh, you're using ConnectWise, oh, you're using the data backend or this or that or, um, you know, or Microsoft's um, backend or something like that. You know, like it's it's all, but to somebody who's technical, it's very important to understand what the tools that you're paying for, because, you know, there could be, you know, God forbid, another security incident with one of these tools or something like that. And it's important for you to know that if you're, what your partner is using, so you could be aware and you're informed as well to be able to track stuff and be able to be speak intelligently about the tool to your board or, um, to people who are trying to understand the tools that you're using. It is, I believe, you know, at some level, technical or not, understanding the tool set and what it can provide and how powerful it is, is extremely important to know before um, getting in line with somebody and what is their ability to support their tools? What's, you know, again, we're going to go back to it, uptime. 
what is the uptime of these tools, you know, and everything like that. Do, do you have a way to know when they're doing maintenance and downtime? How well are they communicating? Do they have tools to let you know that? Do they have a status page? Do they have a portal for you to interact with? Do you get access to the tools? All these things, you know, seem trivial and like, oh, well, why is it important? But when you're trying, when you're trying to sign up for one, two, three years with this partner, you want it to be successful through and through. And the tools that they use, the people that they have, everything that we've talked about before, it all starts to building blocks. And you know, you want to make sure you're comfortable as much as with them as they are with you. Yeah, I think though that's all that's all incredibly valid side with it. And I think the other side that you see is this kind of gets back to the on, and when it's when it's being sold, they all kind of sell on an equal basis. But again, you start looking into it, what all they providing with the with the tool sets behind that, um, you know, will vary quite a bit. I mean, you may find you're getting substantially much more of a more robust tool set uh, for one provider for another. So, you know, it, having that understanding can really help. So things like, you know, going the difference between do they provide just traditional antivirus or do they provide at, you know, EDR, that endpoint detection response, which is, you know, far better artificial intelligence, much more modern and more effective, you know, threat protection. There's a big difference between those two products. And one, one will, you know, EDR will allow you to get cybersecurity assurance in 2022. Uh, antivirus won't, you know, so, you know, which means you're going to probably have to make another expenditure if they haven't, you know, updated to that level side. So there's, you know, those can have those can have cost impacts, the organization side of it and and having do they have security teams? Do they have cybersecurity, you know, teams that are able to respond to these threats? Because cybersecurity is a whole nother aspect of technology that doesn't match, you know, your traditional help desk support. So you need to have people that understand and trained in, in how to do incident response and how to handle these things if if they occur. You need to have advanced teams behind it. So that that overall backend team and, and the tools that they're using, you know, have, have are going to have a substantial impact to the service that they provide you. And it, it's definitely having asking some questions around those, even if you don't understand it. I mean, to Alex's point, you know, do you have, you know, do, are we made notified if your tools are down or, you know, what what additional value can your tools provide me? Those are all good aspect sides to really kind of understand what their full stack is that they're bringing to the table. Um, to help deliver that support, because it's it's always going to be a combination of of automation with with tools and software deployment plus people is going to be your managed service offering, and what those what that solution stack they bring with their offering is going to vary greatly. And you want to basically have a, have a true understanding of what the value of each part of their stack is, and and do a, a thorough comparison to make sure they're valuable. Um, the other aspect I've, you know, some managed service providers will allow the customers access to their tools and some won't, you know, so if, if you're operating with in-house IT and you want to, you know, you're using the managed service partner to augment and provide, uh, you know, assistance for the in-house IT so they, you know, again, can focus on the business data side of it, but they still want to be able to also leverage the tools if, if they want to be able to to do some support and, and function extension, you know, you're gonna want to make sure they have access to those tools as well. And and there's a lot of value when that happens, I believe. So it's good to um, verify that because not all, all of them will. And then you well, find yourselves limited. 
sorry, Kyle, didn't mean to step on you there. Um, it, it also helps you as the partner, you know, it buys the, brings the customer in and is equally, you know, they're passionate about their network. You're passionate about their network. When you're using the same tools, talking the same language, using the same back end, kind of bonds you together a little bit is, you know, what's that having access to the same tools that you're using, you know, trying to help them, you know, do the level one or back end work or weekend or after hours, you know, but you're using the same tools so you can come in and, you know, shadow along or do this or do that. Like all that stuff is, Things like this, you know, from the technical side are just so beneficial to this. Keep in mind as you're starting to go through this process of picking that partner, picking that person that you're you're investing in as much as they're investing into you and your future and your success. Yeah. And the last aspect on the tool set is um, I've had this conversation with customers. I mean, it's you can go source your own tools and do some of these things, but it takes they're, they're, you don't just deploy them and then walk away. You know, they, they require a, a lot of support on their own. You know, and I think it's a good reason to consider, you know, a managed service provider that allows you access to the tools because they'll manage the tools and they manage the upkeep. So you're dealing with the with the use and the result of that. Um, I, I find most people who tend to deploy their own internal systems for device management, inventory patching, remote control and those things, find that they're spending so much time managing the tool that they eventually either abandon it or they're not using it correctly altogether or you know they just get frustrated um and, and there's a large amount of cost to it you know it, it takes full-time people to manage just the platforms themselves so go to a provider when they already have mature systems and all things in place and let them take that off your plate is is, is a big benefit in my mind because uh, it allows you to focus again on on the organization itself and the organization's customers, not not trying to support the uh, yet again another back end system for your internal team. So if you have internal IT, I think it's a good reason to consider it because it it takes a takes a, a big time suck away and makes you able to support your your end uh, organization users that much better. Wow, that was well said. I don't even have anything to say back. That was just perfect. I'm just smiling ear to ear for those people who are listening here. It's just it's fantastic. It's 100% true. Awesome. Right. It's a lot of smiling and nodding if you're not watching our faces <laughs> that we're like, yes, that's amazing. No, and I know we're getting kind of down here on time, and I did want to throw out there too as far as tools go, right? When we're talking about these tools, and Kyle mentioned antivirus, EDR, and that's a whole world of how do you even know if those tools exist? Google it. And I do know that, right, we're doing covering some of these on podcasts. We did MFA as our first one. So do know that, too, we're always here as a resource. If anybody's like, well, how would I know what this is? By all means, that's something that I'll say in our outro, how you get in contact with us. But that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast is to give you more of a framework going forward. We're just briefly high level touching on it to say this is what you should look at. But just like Kyle said, you can go and do all the research. But then it's kind of a fine line between do you use somebody else who already knows it or do you blindly trust them and educating yourself enough to know what you're getting into last question i wanted to put to you guys that's kind of been touched on but i feel like it's a nice wrap-up section is feedback any thoughts on yeah. that uh, I, you know i i'm smiling because it's the most important thing at the end of the day it's you want a partner who's going to be you know, feel comfortable to give you the customer feedback and can take feedback. And it's all about being constructive. Like, hey, here's what's wrong. You know, here are things, potential issues in your network. Let's fix them together. You give feedback back on potentially, you know, 
God willing, hopefully never, but you know, sometimes there's a bad ticket that comes through or you just didn't feel like it, it, the service is good. We'll talk about it. Don't let it fester. Don't let it bury in. You want somebody who's wants to take that feedback, ask for it. Um, you know, hopefully after every ticket or all those interactions, they want that, they want that ping pong. They want that relationship. And again, it's a partnership. And you know, if you're IT or not, you want that ability to know that you can provide feedback back and they will too and let you know what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's regular regular meeting again, that goes back to that partnership and that it's part of that proactive side of having conversations and where there's feedback from the customer side of it to say, you know, um, we're having some challenges here, you know, whether it was service related or, you know, performance related or whatever side of it. So you have that back and forth conversation side of it to have both uh, both feedback come through. Um, I think it's also important for for customers to come in and recognize that, you know, by bringing in a managed service partner, if you're, if you're currently having technology issues and you're having problems, bringing them in isn't going to be the cure-all for it. You know, they're going to help identify if they have the right through those tools to their sites, you know, recommendations for change, most likely side of it, and it's going to bring some expense with it. You have to be committed to investment into the technology. Ultimately, you know, if you have older systems or whole performance, you're going to have to replace them. That There is no magic wand that, a, you know, a managed service provider, no, however, no matter how good their technical staff is and and they may be the most talented people around. They can't just, you know, deploy some piece of software onto your devices. Miraculously, all your technology issues go away. If if you find that you have very old desktops, you have, you know, undersized desktops, you have, you know, networking or wireless systems that are out of date or insufficient, they'll bring those to light. You have to be willing to make a commitment um, to make those recommended changes to ultimately see the improvement. So to really make the relationship work, you have to be open to that. It's not just the monthly spend for the managed service provider. You have to get to those budgetary conversations, take the recommendations, plan for them, and then make make the technology work for you. That's what it that's what it takes. That's where it really starts to to shine is when those are happening where you're adjusting the service level they're starting to understand your systems and support and your end user needs and they provide those to them they provide you data recommendations of how you make it better and you accept them and plan for them then you will see miraculous things happen if you only take the one side and you constantly want to work with the managed service provider and say we're not happy with our users having to call you so much but you're not making the investment back in with their recommendations you're you're not you're not committed to it. You're not going to see the results. And no matter how many times you change a provider, you're not going to see results. So that's, you know, my my kind of takeaway. I've seen tremendous success for many customers, but it is a, they're receptive and they take the value that's given and plan, and then it works. I feel like that was a better closing than I could have done by far. I was like, that's fabulous. We can just drop the mic and we'll walk away now. That's that's all great. But no, and I know that we did talk in an earlier podcast with both Alex and Kyle about myths of the managed service provider. So we have a whole half an hour on that. So by all means, go listen to that one. Um, because yes, spoilers, it's not a magical fairy dust that we can just sprinkle and everything's fixed. And congratulations. Um, that's that's the teaser trailer for that podcast episode but to summarize i was noting down as we were talking to summarize everything that we talked about today make sure that you're asking about our 
hours, their staff availability, how they staff, where they staff, what does that look like? SLAs, what are they hitting? Can they track that data? Which tangented lovely into just data overall. Are they being proactive? Are they looking at your system? Are they making it easy to understand? And then of course, going into tools, into access, that's a whole other discussion. Make sure that you're asking which tools, which skills, um, and then feedback was our last thing that we touched on here this morning. So having that feedback, keeping it a two-way street, not having it be just that one, we're giving you all this stuff and you don't have to worry about it. It's a two-way street, takes work from both parties to make sure that you're getting that ROI out of your managed service provider. So that's just the brief summary of everything that we covered in today's episode. But if anything sparked any questions, we're always here, always available. You can email us at info at cit-net.com or head on out to our website, www.cit-net.com backslash podcast. Woo! Everything's a mouthful, but thank you guys so much for sitting down, talking with us today, and we will be back with another episode next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye.